are listening to Taking Art Apart, a podcast presented by West Den Haag. I am Rosa Sangenberg, visual artist and writer. I am Jael Keizer, philosopher and writer. We're launching an experimental series of themes that one may come across when stepping into the art world, whether as a young artist, established institution or curious viewer. In this exciting first episode, we look at the mediation of art. How do we understand what is communicated in an artwork when every perception is subjective? Who is the mediator and what is the role of a curator? When artists make art, they most likely want to say something with their art, whether it is an emotion or a political statement. Whether intentionally or not, there is something they are communicating. The question remains to what extent this communication has to be visible, and what are the leading factors that facilitate the art experience? It is Monday afternoon and, despite the museum being closed to the public, there is a lively and hectic atmosphere. Not one, but several exhibitions are being set up and all the work needs to be done by Friday before the grand opening. Um, so what is it that you are doing right now? Uh, at the moment we, are, uh, we have been hanging uh, wallpaper here in the corridor. In this moment okay. we are cleaning up and we are cutting away uh, left pieces of paper from the ceiling and uh, the floor. So very precise work. <laughs> I'm interested in knowing how the build-up of such exhibitions work. Obviously it's not only about placing the works. No, because supposedly now the exhibition we're setting up is all the works are very, very expensive length. Yeah. So it's kind of a very strange thing of knowing how we work, which mm -hmm. is not clumsy, it is careful. But it's like a lot of dirty work and a lot of kind of, yeah, dirty work. And then you're surrounded by the stuff that's, if I damaged without insurance, mm -hmm. I probably never ever managed to repay. Mm -hmm. But then uh, so like this, you've kind of got this notion of the value of the art as an artwork, but then the value of art as commodity, as this object, and the value of the time that you put in trying to pay your bills by working here. Thank yeah, it's definitely, to, it, I mean, it depends, it also depends on what you're doing, it depends on uh, yeah, what point of this build-up you're at, but often it kind of starts off with like really kind of messy, very, very crude work, such mm -hmm. as like, I don't know, carpentry and painting and this and that. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, you know, it's completely dirty and covered in mess. And then like some, and it's funny because you see it happen at different phases, depending on, with different people, depending on you're each working with. But some people, at some point, your colleagues kind of transcend into this clean phase of work, when you're still stinking of shit, carrying around the dirt and the paint. And then they are like in this kind of different character, okay, clean hands and really carefully, it's kind of two worlds, and then it's, you kind of don't really have interaction anymore, because it's, mm. 
you know, they've come into the light, you're still in the basement, and they've mm -hmm. come into the light. I also come across one of the artists who is in the finishing stages of installing his exhibition, namely Asal Rasa, and I find my moment to ask him what is the importance of curating an exhibition. I mean, curator is an interesting word, I guess, because it comes from curare, which means to take care of. So it has the root of taking care of it. I see curators as people who take care of an exhibition, an artwork, or an institution, or artists. And so, I, sometimes when I, I, I've curated and co-curated shows, uh, and I see the job as relating to trying to take care of the situation and to create a ground out of which other things can happen. So, I see that there is a link between that and these caretakers or cultivators who I have in my, in my works. Um, in, in my works, I like to work on the idea of dependency that objects do not exist autonomously and alone, but that they are together with human beings creating meaning. Um, and it's always the case, even in the, even in the case of a static object-based artwork, obviously the meaning is not created until a visitor is there in front of it, and then the meaning is created as a phenomenon in their mind. And uh, in my works, I, I have often people who are who are performing some sort of process. So there's something going on during the entire exhibition uh, period rather than a process that stops at the moment that the exhibition starts. You know, you make the artwork and then you put it in the museum and then now everything stops and, and people come and look at it. I see my work as trying to set in motion a process that doesn't stop and maybe it doesn't even stop when the exhibition ends. So in the case of the soil, piece that you're, we're standing in right now, absorption, in this case it's a version called Breuer separation and integration. The piece, in my, in my opinion, continues when the visitors take the soil home and use it to grow things in their own um, balconies and flower pots and gardens and allotments. Um, it, it's, it's the process is just continuing. Mm -hmm. In that case, uh, do you then also consider the, the, the visitor as part of the curation role and as part of maybe even the artist role? I wouldn't say that the visitor is part of the curating or a part of the artist, but they're part of the artwork. The artwork is some sort of a collaboration between an artist, some materials or some mm -hmm. actions, and a visitor mm -hmm. that is somehow overseen or taken care of by a curator, usually. Mm -hmm. um, and so I see the visitors both the site where everything really happens ultimately, but also a necessary part of a dependent and vulnerable system that is set up in which some process or metabolism is kind of occurring. And in this metabolic process, the visitor has a role to play. Finally, I'm on my way to the last exhibition, which is in the process of being installed. The person who I meet here is Akim Helmling, who defines himself as an initiator rather than a curator, and I ask him to elaborate. Yeah, curating means to take care of something and to make something happen. But, you know, if something happens and something great happens and you initiate it, that's nice. If you're responsible that it's there, you don't have to be the one who is like uh, uh, responsible for the content. You know, others are making uh, the content. But, you know, if that something happens, it's the responsibility of the curator, not of the artist, probably. So you don't think 
curator's role is so much to form a specific narrative out of what they get. So no, no, it's more like respecting the artists. A curator, the best curator is uh, the, the person who is capable of making unique projects happen. And in that way, you know, if there's a unique project and the curator uh, managed to make people enthusiastic about this project and to get the money for that, yeah, then he's a good curator. A curator is somebody who initiates and makes sure that uh, everybody uh, has something to eat, that people are invited and uh, mm -hmm. that it's uh, happening. You just said the curator adds a different layer and uh, I would uh, more like to see that uh, the curator is responsible, there is a layer. That's the job of the curator, that there is an exhibition. So I, I see it also as a responsibility for the curator to make sure that there is the money. And I think that's totally overlooked by many people. If a curator wants to make an exhibition, of course, like one big important role is also that he has to make sure that there's the money. Like, who else is responsible to gather the money? You know, like somebody has to fight for that. That's also, I think, a curator. The guests you just heard were various people involved in everything surrounding the mediation of art. Rosa went on a tour through the build-up for multiple shows at Westenhaag and tried to be a fly on the wall, recording the soundtrack to an otherwise serene exhibition space. Builders, technicians and cleaners are all intricate parts to these almost sacred environments with dust, cluttered tools, smells of construction materials and trash omnipresent for the weeks leading up to the lively openings. Now we hear Rosa with her essay, The Caretaker. Thinking of a narrative, connecting with the artist, selecting the works, making a composition, measuring the height, width and depth, Adjusting the light and temperature, building the frame, building a wall, painting a wall, removing the trash, dusting the ceiling, vacuuming the floor, wiping the surfaces, the windows, the screens. Where does a curator's role start and where does it end? My first encounter with a curator and probably also the whole concept of a curator is very visual. A skinny man in his 30s who shows that it's possible to hang a TV screen on a wall vertically to challenge its typical generic horizontal format. Next to the vertical screen placed on a white wall inside an otherwise empty room with polished concrete floor, he explains things that are too complicated for me to understand and does so as if it's the most widespread conventional information, such as when he briefly mentions the fact that the content showing on the vertical screen is made by an artist from an artist collective, and my mind immediately wanders off to try and put an image into what an artist collective even means. That was a couple of years ago. Given my lack of experience back then with regards to what a curator is and does, I obviously gave this version of a curator a lot of significance. 
I also implemented a lot of prestige to this figure with the small beanie inside of my head, as his assumed knowledge, connection and experience seemed far superior to what I had ever experienced in the context of the contemporary art scene. Nonetheless, what he actually did remained very mysterious to me both during the time but also later in life. I knew his office was situated on the floor above the room with the vertical screen and I think I saw it once or twice, always with a slight confusion since this room was very empty, which at the same time only emphasized the mystery of his profession. To this day, I will admit that the profession as a curator appears a bit unclear to me, mainly because I have discovered its broadness. I have collected more experiences since my first insight into a curator profession. They are all entirely different. I can no longer attach this visual image to the curator without this image immediately being confronted by the bigger library of visuals that now reside inside my head. No specific uniform is required to be a curator. On the contrary, the unique expression of an individual curator is of great importance. This can be in regards to on what basis they invite artists to exhibit, for instance. Is it based on a historical common narrative? Are the artists visually or materially linked, or is it rather a topical interest that connect these artists? Then there is the working method. How does the curator come up with a curation that makes sense to the time, the space, and the selected artists? Is the curator trained with an academic background in curating, or do they come from another background? Are they perhaps an artist themselves? Is their work method politically, historically, or philosophically motivated? Is the curator's working approach very text-based, or do they prefer no text at all? Is a curator tied to a specific music, a specific group of artists, or do they travel across countries to make their curatorial mark in a new context, with a new artistic ensemble? Do they remain somewhat true to their curatorial style throughout the years, or do they prefer to explore as many styles as they can think of? So slowly, while still feeling rather intimidated by their all-encompassing knowledge of art, I start to connect the understanding of a curator with a certain ambiguity. Curators can be many, many things, and because of that I want to go back to the basics to first of all understand this abstract word that is the curator. The word curator originally derives from the Latin word cura, which means to take care. So in that sense, a curator could be understood as a caretaker of arts. If we consider the curator as a caretaker, it adds a fundamental layer to the role of the curator, namely the role of serving the arts, which does make a lot of sense to be fair. Surely the curator must see it as a high priority to treat the art they are curating well. I also like the thought of connecting the job of a curator to that of a caretaker, as it adds compassion and empathy to the word. But whereas the role of a caretaker has been a recognizable profession for centuries, the role of a curator that we know of today was only starting to be defined during the mid-20th century, 
while the creation of academic programs and curatorial practices only started to appear in the late 80s. From having been a profession mainly defined as a keeper of collections, curators began to define themselves more distinctively in the art field. One of these curators was the Swiss Harald Seemann, Today regarded as a pivotal figure for the development of the curatorial practice, he understood exhibitions as creative works in their own right. That was greatly visible in his own work as he often played with the exhibition format, transforming the experience of art into theatrical spectacles, something which was not common at all for his time. Seaman, who regarded himself as a mediator, took his role seriously. He really worked with the artists, visited them in their studios to talk with them about their work and their process. He ignored the art historical canon by joining artists together regardless of their differences and various art movements. These are not necessarily uncommon attributes to a curator in today's art scene, especially since curating has become an acknowledged, even necessary part of art exhibitions. Curators do indeed have an important role in an exhibition. They are, as Seaman would call it, the mediators between several factors, if not all factors, incorporated in the exhibition. Between the object exhibited, the maker of the object, the viewer and the space, the role can be more or less determining for how the viewer will conceive the object, the maker and the space. In a sense, to go back to the notion of curators as caretakers, a curator's most noble role is to serve the arts. That is, to make the intended artwork communicate most successfully in the space, regardless of taste, interest, motives and background. And to go back to the question I asked in the beginning, where does a curator's role start and where does it end? I approached the young curator, Julia Moskutte, currently working as a curatorial assistant for Kunstinstitut Meli. Besides being a curator, Julia is also a professional cook, creating an exciting combination of professions, which I am curious to hear more about. Hello, Julia. Hi. Uh, thank you for coming. I'm really excited. So to begin with, uh, it would be nice if you can make an introduction, uh, a brief introduction about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm a little nervous. I've never done something like this before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm Julia Motskuta. I'm now working as a curatorial assistant at Constitut Meli in Rotterdam. I still find it weird to call myself a curator, but I guess I have been a curator for a few years now like i would feel like probably the start was when i made my first exhibition at vanabe museum during my internship there so yeah i'm interested in creating contemporary art and specifically more socially engaged art i would say and yeah so i've been working at different places like meli or vanabe so yeah different institutions in the netherlands that are more yeah socially engaged and focused on rather than just presenting art, but to also create some kind of collective learning experience with mm -hmm. it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, when I talked with you um, uh, some time ago, you mentioned that you associate the role of curating uh, with the role of caretaking, 
which is actually something that was already uh, spoken about in this podcast previously. So I want to yeah hear a bit about how you see this um, this caretaking in the curating aspect. Like what? The, how do you define this? How do you, how do you use this perhaps in mm. your own practice? Uh, yeah, indeed. For me, curating is care. And uh, well, yeah, when we had the conversation before, you said like, how do you take care of art? But for me, it's not like I don't really think about it as taking care of art, but it's taking care of people. So first, I think as a creator, the most important thing is to take care of the artist. Mm -hmm. And then second is to take care of the audience. A contemporary art curator cannot exist without artists. An artist can very well <laughs> exist without the curator. And I think that's something that I at least really take to heart. So my role then is really about facilitating the artist. And then of course, yeah, like as a creator, you can get a job at some point in an institution that gives you like some kind of power and stability. Well, as an artist, there are practically no opportunities for like something that is so stable. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to making sure that that power that the institution can provide is given to the artists. So as a creator, yeah, you choose or accept uh, suggestions of who's going to exhibit, but then in the end, the what is being said, I think that's the power that you give to the artist. Mm -hmm. And then the audience, taking care of the audience, I think. So when museums started like these, what now we have like as museums and institutions kind of started 19th century together with like forming of the nation state. And it was really like this place where you come and you learn to know what it is to be a citizen, a good citizen. And that like, is this really top down approach. And I think now it's important to <laughs> turn, turn it upside down and rather like task to see like how we can accommodate audience. And it's still, still facilitate some kind of le learning process. Mm -hmm. I think there's still like educational part or role that uh, an institution plays, but it's more collective learning, learning yeah. together rather than like, oh, come here and we'll tell you what is good, what is bad and yeah. how you should act. So in a sense, you also learn from the audience. Yeah. Or that is just as valued as the audience learning from you, perhaps. Yeah. Like as a, as a curator, I see it more as like, Yeah, you bring them together and yeah. make a conversation rather than, yeah, you sit in your ivory tower and tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice to hear like a bit more concrete, like, is there some exhibition you are very proud of or like maybe more like, maybe not a, the outcome of an exhibition, but is there like something that's stood out to you in a process, in an exhibition making process or curating process? Mm -hmm. So I would say I'm very much at the start of my career. So most exhibitions I've worked at weren't exhibitions that actually I curated, like that I was the main curator, but uh, I was the main curator of two exhibitions and one was a group show and one was a solo show. So of course, very different things. And with the group show, I, there was more of my ideas, but I really am proud of the solo exhibition I made with the artist uh, Dana Ohalapi, delivered home with no eye contact. It was um, in Rotterdam at uh, this space called Growing Space Villaval. Why I'm particularly proud of it is that I felt like the process of making it was exactly how I envisioned the 
process of making an exhibition together with an artist that it felt like a conversation between us. And part of the text was indeed like an interview I did of Diana. And it's always, there's so many compromises that you have to make. And here it felt we didn't have to make compromises. Rather, everything was Mm -hmm. a great outcome. And yeah, it was just such a nice process. She asked me herself to create the exhibition. And then from the interview to, I don't know, when we were installing it, we were installing it ourselves um, with the also help of a friend. It all was just so organic and caring. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed that. And yeah, I'm trying to continue to work in a similar way. Yeah. And are there any artists or any concepts or something that has influenced your practice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really approach curating as like a lived experience. I don't know if that makes sense in that way that I don't really feel like I can read about it and then I'm it's going to be like I'll I'll know. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like my inspirations have been more the people I've worked with. I decided to become a curator because I did an internship at Framer Frame in my second year of university and I love the process so much and how it combines all these different modes of working and uh, that it's about care, but also there's research and different things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say my inspirations have been mainly at what people that could have been seen as my mentors. So a lot of women curators, <laughs> like an Abbe Museum was Annie Fletcher, who's now the director of um, IMMA in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, now at Mali, a lot of strong women like Sophia Hernandez Chongkui, mm-hmm. uh, Rosa de Graaf, Vivian Siherl. I would say, yeah, seeing how they work, that's It is a inspires. kind of inspiration, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also nice that you you got to know it really from the, the hands-on, and especially since I think there is a notion of curating as being quite something very academic, or especially since now you can even study mm-hmm. curatorial practice. But I wonder which method is the best way to approach curating, if it's the, through learning, through going to university, or if it's through the practical, the matter of actually curating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, it's really um, one, like what kind of curator you want to be, right? There's some who are, it's more research-based. And then I would say all great curators still are very much based in theory, And uh, there is a lot of like academic knowledge that you need. I don't know, I guess because I really, for me, it's really important to like not have that top down approach. Like for example, when you're writing an exhibition text, the number one priority is that everybody would understand it. It would not feel like something like in your essay, you said, you know, like that there's like immediately all these, like the curator had these words And then you felt confused and that made it, made the relationship feel unequal Mm -hmm. and distant. Mm -hmm. And you do have to have ideas behind it, but it's more important to translate them in an accessible way. So it's a a little bit of both the Mm -hmm. research and the, and then like, of course, if you're making an exhibition that is based on research, If you're, especially if you're making a solo show with an artist, then really it's about trying to indeed mediate and facilitate their ideas and their narrative rather than, yeah, 
trying to say something yourself. So again, like really depends on the kind of exhibition and yeah, the kind of institution and what the institution is trying to say. It's a balance uh, of being not too invested in your own <laughs> theoretical hmm. world, or, but at the same time also, of course, be aware of it that there is there are concepts and there are there are some things going on that needs to be addressed. Yeah, and if you don't know anything, you're gonna then do things that have already been done. That's also yeah very practical thing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, there was something I wanted to ask you. Uh, I find a combination of curating, mm-hmm. being a curator and being a cook quite nice and a bit uh, also not so common. And I wanted I, have, I wanted to know if you are uh, considering this in any way or if you see a connection between those professions. Yeah, I for a long time, I did not see it. Actually, it was... Like somebody from the outside told me like, oh, but why don't you combine this? For a very long time, I saw cooking as a side job that I do to sustain myself. Although I love cooking, like people who know me, I think I get even more excited when I talk about food than anything else, honestly. But uh, in an ideal world or in an ideal restaurant, you also take care of your guests the same way. Cater to the yeah. audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So why I didn't want to continue being a cook is mainly because the the system is so exhausting. Like there is, there's very little, because of the margins are so tiny, there's very little space for that care that I would want to do when I'm cooking. Like my favorite thing is to cook for my friends or now I've actually, I even cook for artists at Melly. Ah, oh, nice. I've done that a couple of times now and that I... That That's way. great. Mm-hmm. And then it's a very different um, relationship you have with the food because then you cook with thinking about that person or the people that are going to eat it. And more like fast-paced restaurant environment, you a bit lose that connection. So for me, maybe curating is more like making dinner for friends that rather than cooking, you know, a hundred... <laughs> of the same dish in one evening then you, mm. yeah you lose a bit the touch i guess yeah and it becomes a bit more like a repetition or mechanical or, yeah 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 i can definitely see that and yeah. uh, speaking about uh, cooking up the show uh, how do you relate to playfulness or like how much playfulness do you allow in because in the in the text i also mentioned uh, again that the harald Seaman regarded the show mm-hmm. as a creative work in their own right. And I wondered if you, first of all, agree with this statement or, and second of all, how much this statement applies to you in your practice? Yeah, I, I, I think definitely. I mean, it's, um, yeah, you have the, the art and then, but it's all like a playful conversation in a way with the artist in that way that like, for example, if you're commissioning an artwork, you're in conversations and bouncing ideas And then through that, like the art takes shape. And then the next conversation is then like, how are you going to spatialize it? How are you going to put it in different spaces? What kind of story is going to tell? Or if it's a bigger solo show, then it's like, what do you choose 
from the artist, which art, artworks will you choose and how will you present it? Because it kind of like then tells a story in a way. So like when I said what I really enjoyed with the process with Dana, indeed that it was, it felt like playful, like throwing the ball back and forth. Yeah. Um, now I'm working on an installation. I'm working on a few, but um, like one with a Rotterdam-based artist, Micah Hammers. That has been a really, really lovely process because, as, again, it was it's very playful, and and she even talks about that it's important for her in the process of making art that there is care, love. I think what drew me to contemporary art, because I don't come from like an art history background. I studied like sociology um, for my undergraduate. But what really draws me to art is specifically that in my research, I looked into trauma and I looked how to uh, compared a more historical representation, a historical museum representation to a contemporary ex- art exhibition and contemporary artwork uh, representing trauma. And I argued that indeed it is the possibility of making your own connections and drawing the, your own conclusions that uh, an artwork offers, that that's where the power lies. Mm-hmm that there is the possibility of like that somebody will connect with one thing another person can connect to another thing and it's going to connect to their subjective experience and gonna, a new meaning can be created mm-hmm. and of course there are cues and there, there are ways of like leading within the artwork to inspire these connections but then in the end because it's subjective and each person that comes in contact with it has their own subjectivity. That meeting point can be very magical. That's a great. I think it's a great way to end the conversation. So uh, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. That was it for the first episode of Taking Art Apart. Special thanks to Julia Matskutta, Steven, Tom Wink, Akim Helmling and Asad Raza for taking part in this episode. If you want to know more about the guests and their practices, as well as extra source materials, please have a look at our description box. This podcast is made possible by Westin Haag. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you join the ride for the next episodes where we cover several more aspects of art, namely the material, reception, the rejection, the business and the future of art. Coming up in the next episode is the question, does art have to be a physical medium? Are NFTs, non-fungible tokens of artworks, still art? And the medium is the message. What does that even mean?